This episode of Real Trail Talk is brought to you by Studio, a Swedish headphone company making great quality products for a fraction of the cost. And for Trail Talk listeners, you can get 15% off any order if you use the code TRAILTALK, or one word. And for every order, it's free international shipping. So it's Studio, which is studio without the T. Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 19. We've got another Don and Alyssa special for you, talking about the Overland Track and yeah. their adventures in Tasmania. Woohoo! Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get into what is the Overland, because obviously everyone knows the name, but where it's located, what's involved, how many days. Um, do you guys want to just give a brief introduction to anyone who doesn't know what the Overland is? Sure. So... The Overland Track is probably the most famous of Australia's multi-day hikes, and it's located in the Tasmanian Wilderness World Heritage Area, and it's basically a journey overland from <laughs> Cradle Mountain to Lake St. Clair, and it's basically the, the journey from one particular attraction in the park to its other main attraction, which is um, a beautiful mountain then to the deepest lake in Australia. And it roughly takes anywhere between five to maybe seven, eight days, depending on how long you want to spend in the park. Yeah, basically if you're a through-hiker, insane kind of person, you could do it in four days. I think the average is about six, and if you want to, you could spend eight to ten days if you wanted just to see everything, because there's just so much to see. And mm. I think also depending on the time of the year that you would go would also depend... That's true. How long you would actually spend out on the track. And even then, how good the weather is, because even in summer, the weather can be terrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. as you found out. Um, so in terms of like distance from the main capital cities, you got Launceston in the north and Hobart in the south. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts in between those two is it located, and where would you start? So the, the start of the track is at Cradle Mountain, and you have to walk in that direction during the hiking season. So... In winter, you can walk either way, but for the most of the time of the year, you have to start at the Cradle Mountain end, which is closer to Launceston. And then the Lake Sinclair end is closer to Hobart. And obviously, you're not just going to go over to Tasmania if you're an interstate visitor with only your hiking gear. Mm. Um, The luggage issue, how did you get around that? And is there kind of like a system in place for you to leave your possessions? Yeah, so I think... The Overland Track is one of the best planned in terms of the the logistics. If you're using the TassieLink bus at Launceston, you give them your luggage and you pay a small fee. I think it was like $10 or something. And then they'll transfer your luggage to Hobart so that when you get to the other end, it's at a luggage locker in Hobart for you to collect. Or even if you wanted to end at Lake St. Clair and then travel back to Launceston... Yeah. Arrangements could have been made. Exactly, yeah. For either major kind of town. Mm. Yeah. So you're well, well catered to when it comes to visitor services, that kind of thing. Very much so. I think that they, you know, they, they really get it right there because this is such a big part of why people go there. You know, I think it's one of the main tourist draws. And because of that, they have made the, the actual system an enjoyable and easy one and not made it a challenge logistically. And I'm sure there's... M- multiple other private companies offering similar things than Tassie Link. 
yeah. that would get you there and look after your things and drop you up. And, and ho- some hotels, you know, like the hotel that we stayed at could have looked after our stuff and they would have done it for free as well. Mm. So, so yeah. lots of businesses really supporting people making it out and getting on the overland. Mm. And you mentioned a small fee for the Tassie Link service. Mm. Obviously, being from Western Australia, we are used to the building being free. What's yes. the kind of the cost involved with the Tasmania or sorry the overland track hikes because it's not the same as WA? No, no, it's uh, two hundred dollars. Now the good thing about that is because there are I guess there are very different ways that people do this. Some places they'll say you have to book for the campsites. So Victoria say you have to book campsites, and the Great Walks in New Zealand, the, the really popular ones, it's campsites. So you have to stick to itinerary. Mm. The overland basically is you pay $200 and you have to start on a certain day, but you can take as long as you want. Hmm. So if you have a four-day itinerary and you want to rush it, be their guest and you're paying $50 a night, yeah. or you could stay for eight days, or you could stay for however long, basically. Hmm. Some people you know, do side trips to other places to make it worth their while. Yeah, But as we'll discuss later, you certainly get a lot for your money. So oh, it's definitely. not like you're just paying a flat fee and there's no services you do get looked after on the trail. For sure. And I think it's worth mentioning that if you are planning on doing the overland track of booking early and really kind of planning ahead so that you don't miss out because it really... I think this time that we booked for, which was in summer, mm. it had sold out quite fast. How many months? Yeah, basically, um, if you want to go during the peak season, which is the, the summer school holidays, you're looking at, you know, you really need to book within the first few days, which is the 1st of July it opens, mm. and you've got to make sure that you book because otherwise you, will, you could miss out. Mm. Yeah. So you guys went late December 2016. We'll get stuck into the day by day. So you started in Launceston, got the Tassie link out there. Mm-hmm. What kind of like distance is the first day and like kind of what's the terrain like? So the first day of the track from Cradle Mountain to Waterfall Valley is about 10.4 k's. And we started a bit late that day because we, we had to catch the bus and it took quite a while. Visitor centers. Oh, so I'll, I'll answer it now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know whether this was a... No, I'll just take a sip of wine. So the Tazzy Link took you all the way there. Tag to to the to the the visitor center. I guess, and that's where you started from. So the cable. We didn't get out to Ronnie's Creek. Is that one? Yeah. So Ronnie's Creek is the start. We didn't get there till midday. Yeah. Roughly. So at the moment, the way to get there is by a bus, but I think that the cable car that they're proposing will take you there instead. From Mm. the visitor center. From the visitor center. Yeah. I think they're trying to limit the amount of vehicles that are actually in the park. So that's sort of the reason for that. And it'd be a nice introduction to the park as well, kind of floating over. Yeah. Getting to that start point. So Ronnie's Creek, that's where the official start of the trail is, where the trailhead is. What's the terrain like for the first few kilometers? So it's basically a grassy plain, a lot of button grass, which we've never seen here. It looks actually quite similar to Spinifex up in north, mm-hmm. but in a much more wet kind of look to it because of the kind of button-like shape that they have. So it's, it's really cool. And, and it was also really cold when we started. Yeah, I think that first day was very chilly. We had all our layers on thinking we'd take it off pretty fast, but nope, <laughs> it all yeah. stayed on. That was the one of the only times ever 
that I had my hiking vest on the whole day. The other time was when I was with you on Sterling Ridge. Yeah. And it wow. was it was that cold, if you can remember how cold that was. And this is kind of what well, a third of the way through summer still. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So be prepared for all weather is what you're yeah. saying. A hundred percent. Yep. And we so we start with the button grass walking along um boardwalks, which was quite nice, quite a pleasant start and straight away in five minutes yeah we see um one of our favorite little critters the wombat which was pretty exciting because that was one of our like if we were playing bingo that was one of the ones we wanted to be able to tick off our list Mm. so straight away we got to see one and it was pretty cute and just eating going about its business and yeah they're very nonchalant because apparently they can be real bastards because they're really um quite aggressive Mm. but the ones in Cradle Mountain are just they're like oh yeah people no problem yeah yeah so that was pretty nice great start to the whole trip yeah seeing that yeah so Wombat's kind of like the echidnas of Tasmania except you see a lot more (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you're not me (laughs) yeah oh but we did also see we uh, we also saw an echidna (laughs) I wish you hadn't said (laughs) sorry so day one also involves a lot of up Hiking, which Alyssa, yes. as we discussed with Karajini, you're not a big fan of the ups when they're straight away on a hike. No, but there was enough kind of amazing things to kind of distract you as you were just climbing up. So that mm. was good because it kind of went flat for along the boardwalks. And then as it started to go up, you kind of started going through rainforest and suddenly you're on this next to this beautiful alpine lake and that really famous boat shed that you see in lots of very kind of iconic pictures. It's actually not the famous one. Isn't it? No. Oh. The famous one's actually at the other lake. Well, the, it looks like lake. it should be famous. It, it does. Because it's, it's stunning and it's just so, like, it's like a perfect picture. As you kind of climb up out of the rainforest, you see this beautiful lake with the boathouse mm. and, and you continue through around the lake and then the climb does begin and it does get a little grueling, especially since it's the first day and you've got, well, we had eight days worth of food in yeah. our pack, so... Mm. We had quite a bit of weight with us. Mm. Um, and there's even a section where there was chain. Yeah, so there's, there's like chain along the, the climb because it's so steep just to help you steady yourself up. So it's it's not, not easy. And I've seen other people um, have, have talked about it on their blogs saying that it was one of the hardest bits of the whole track and that some people try to avoid it and go to... There's an alternate start point apparently you can go to okay. just to avoid that climb. But yeah. I don't feel like it was... I didn't feel like it was that challenging. And maybe it's just the first day excitement. Yeah. You kind of... You'd seen a wombat. Yeah, I saw a <laughs> I wombat. There was amazing going. rainforest. There was a beautiful boat shed. And I think that so. on the climb as well, because when you look back behind you, that boat shed is is on a lake called Crater Lake. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's this big lake that's been carved out by a glacier. And I'd never seen a glacial lake before. Mm-hmm. So... You're just constantly turning around going, oh, my God, look at this. Oh, this is an even better viewpoint. Oh, look, there's another. And then, like, we, we would look up the top of it and there were waterfalls flowing into the lake oh, from wow. up the top. So I think you're constantly engaged in a way that you go, it Distracts you from the pain. Because <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was really hard, really. Yeah. I don't even remember the hard parts, which is saying something for me. Mm. Mm. And you guys are the the long ways better. I suppose you couldn't do the alternative start and say it was too hard. Nah. (laughs) No. And as you probably find out, this trip was the ultimate long ways better compared to... In a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We we didn't do every single side trip. No, we didn't. It could have been longer. Um, So we're talking about side trips and on day one, Cradle Mountain, kind of a big 
spectacle and a tourist mm. attraction in Tasmania. Um, how is it doing that on day one, kind of getting overloaded with sensational views and scenes? Yeah, so one of the great things about the Overland is that a lot of these mountains are not on the track itself, so you don't have to walk up and over them with mm. your pack. So um, there's a place called Kitchen Hut, which is just below, and you leave your pack there, and then you can climb up. So that the good thing about that is you're not walking with a heavy you know, pack yeah. up a mountain, which I think would be terrible. But the mountain is an amazing climb. It actually reminded me a lot of Tilburn Up in terms of like the boulder fields, because mm. like, it was basically... A lot of boulder fields. You didn't like it. No, I don't love boulder fields. My knees don't love boulder fields. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I love that sort of thing. Like, I love Tilburn Up. Mm. Uh, prob- probably still is my favorite mountain in Stirling Range. So I think that that was a good preparation for it. Because if I hadn't, I think it would have looked a bit... It would have been a big leap up in difficulty. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, though, when I was just before the summit, all the clouds came through. And the wind was really strong and there just was no point because I basically got to the top and I had to walk across, but it was just no shelter from the wind, all of it blowing at me and clouds blocking all the views. So getting a little treacherous. Mm. Yeah. So like when we did the Sterling Ridge, like it's if you're doing it for the blog, not much point continue on to take photos of grey. Yeah. It's just that's then you're just doing it just for the glory and not for any other like enjoyment. Yeah. And but the climb up was fun. You know, like I really enjoyed the boulder scrambling. So that was great. Disappointing that we got there and it was cloudy, but, you know, you can't control these things. Just Tasmania, like you (laughs) expect the unexpected. And I think from that point onwards of the rest of the day was like even even coming down and then kind of hitting the, the track again, walking all the way to the next hut, it was quite cloudy and yeah. kind of foggy and, and rainy. There were, like, and there were valleys that we just could not see into because it was just that cloudy. And we were the... I think we were, the, we were the last people off the mountain for the day so it felt a bit scary because it was like wow everyone thought this was a terrible idea yeah. after yeah, us yeah clearly everyone had screwed knowing that the bad weather was coming and we were like just scrambling out yeah. so but everyone's not adventure don and <laughs> yeah. speaking of what were you wearing today can we do another toy line based on uh, like alpine don I, I think well so i'm wearing my khaki uh shirts the classic adventure yeah. don look with yeah. the the vest yeah and this would be like the rugged up version. Yeah, I had my arn pack, which I think would be a great for the for the toy line. Mm. The arn pack will be an unusual addition. So, yeah, so like accessories sold separately. Yes, I think like we can Alpine charge more yeah. for for yeah. that. And then I actually put the raincoat on because it was so cold that I actually put on my old the same raincoat that I wore for the Stirling Ridge walk, the old mm. um, Kathmandu one. So, yeah, that, that's a rarity because, you know, me, I normally, if it's raining, I'm just like, stuff it, just walk through it. Yeah. And I had that, um, yeah, on a recent hike, I brought my raincoat, but then we're at Ducanelli. Yeah. And it was forecast to be raining. Someone had left a pack there and it had like a whole load of medical supplies and like a little blanket, I want to say, and then a um, rain jacket. I was like, you know what? This actually looks better than mine. <laughs> Person didn't come back to claim it, so I was like, yep, that's mine now. So if you missed a uh, a rain jacket at Ducanelli, if you left your pack there, just send me an email with the color, and it's yours. <laughs> you can have it back. <laughs> but that survived me well. Um, we're off topic now. Speaking of valleys that you couldn't see into, the finishing point for the day is Waterfall Valley. Mm. Does it 
get that name because it has a lot of waterfalls? You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the Overland track that goes overland and then yep. we've got Waterfall Valley. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, when we arrived, it was late. It was very cloudy. You know, we were just happy to be out of the rain. Um, and this was the first hut that we came to. And I guess this is a hut that no one would say is not a hut because it definitely is a hut. It's a fully enclosed building and they even have a mud room so that you can take off your dirty packs and your mm. boots. And on this day, we didn't wear our gaiters, I think. This is the first day we didn't and we regretted it. And from the rest of the hike, we, we wore gaiters because it's so muddy. And we, even the wettest that I've walked through the Cary Forest hadn't prepared me for how muddy Tasmania is. Mm. But the hut was very good. It was very full. If we had arrived earlier, I would have wanted to stay. There's a smaller second hut that's an older hut and where you only have like um, eight people. But I think the hut would have had oh, about 30, maybe uh, more. It was like four. Bunks. Yeah, at, at least four bunks. So about 30, 35 yeah. people. I think so some like people... at least eight, eight per shelf so much. Because I think people sometimes hike in just for the day. So it's not... It's not ideal in terms of like the amount of people in there. Mm. Um, and certainly, you know, people have commented that the Overland track can be very busy. I felt walking it this first day, it felt very busy. It got less busy because that's about as far as people can go in a day. Mm. But this first campsite, definitely the criticism was fair because it is very full. Yeah. I suppose having Cradle Mountain nearby, people want to experience that. It's just like an overnight exactly. trip. Yeah. yeah. And there was something special about this uh, hut, Alyssa, that you quite enjoyed. Yeah, there's a, a hut volunteer, which I quite like. You get there and there's someone that welcomes you and she was really sweet and lovely lady. And uh, she kind of helps you find your bunk, which I thought was a really good idea with so many people kind of bidding for a spot kind of just creates like a neutral ground for any kind of tension that might be there if you're trying to cram yourself in and well, the thing, like most people especially me like you would avoid a certain area if someone was there but if someone's pointing you saying oh this area is free mm. the other people have to make room and you don't yeah. feel as bad kicking them out of their space and if some and if that's your only option and someone's like giving you the evil eye like don't go next to me yeah you're like well the lady said it's the only place we can can't argue with the water no and it was so packed that we had to kind of cram in and it was quite a noisy night i think i mean i was zonked out straight away but it was we were quite tired but yeah you certainly on that day i feel pretty tired because it's you know if you're doing the hardest climb of the track, plus you're doing Cradle Mountain. It's quite a full day. Yeah. Mm. And in terms of facilities at the hut, because it is a four-walled enclosed hut, mm. what are we looking at here? Is there kitchen facilities, toilets, water? There's toilets. They're not flushing, but they're a bit more deluxe than the Bibbulmun track. They're sort of they're on these raised platforms, and they have like a pod underneath that they can then take out. Mm. And what you do... To, to reduce the odor is that they have this big um, barrel of rice husks and when you're done you add it on top yeah. and that actually really works the toilets actually don't have the smell of of camp toilet yeah and there's Either. no there was no kitchen of, we had to had to use our own yeah cooking. i think i th- 
from what I remember, there was some running taps, I feel like, in yeah, some spots. Yeah, there were taps, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, my mind's a bit foggy about that feature. I think because you and I hardly used them, we mostly ate with backcountry. We wanted to minimise how much we were bringing, so we mm. didn't want to bring a bowl. So because of that, we had backcountry meals because then we could just eat straight out of the pack and then um, fold it up and put it in our rubbish. Yeah. So we have- never really had to clean other than a fork or a spoon, so... And they have um, heaters in, in all the huts, but mm-hmm. they, they don't... That's luxury. <laughs> they prefer that you don't use it unless it really is... Like, they have a gauge, yeah. so they say, like... I think some of the newer huts, they have, like, a thermostat so that when it gets a certain temperature, then you can light it, mm. and then above that, it's not usable. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's great, because I think, you know, people doing it in the winter would definitely need it. Yeah. So, zonked out night one, ready for day two... What was involved with day two? Um, day two was a walk out of Waterfall Valley. And then you could, um, in the morning, the clouds had all cleared and the sky was nice and bright. Um, we could actually look at what we were, had walked through yeah. the previous afternoon and we could see Barnes Bluff, mm. which was just behind us on, at Waterfall Valley. So that was quite spectacular. Mm. And I should say that um, when I said 10 point something case for the first day, that doesn't include the side trip to Cradle Mountain. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind is that when they say a certain length, it doesn't include the side trips. But at, say day two has a very short side trip and is only 7 point something case. So it's a pretty easy day, mm. which is nice after a hard day. Yeah. Mm. I think we started our usual kind of average time somewhere between 6 and 7 a.m., and we got to the hut, the next hut, Windermere. Windermere hut? Yeah, so it was very short. Yeah. Got to the hut very early at 11 a.m. And I remember it was well, mostly did... an open plain hike from yeah. waterfalls to Windermere. And then we, we did the side trip to Lake Will, which is kind of cool because it's a, it's a lake that overlooks, but in the background is Barnes Bluff. Bluff. So it's a nice kind of view that you're sort of standing by the lake. And the lake is very pretty. Mm. And you have this big mountain behind it. And Barnes Bluff, if not for Cradle Mountain, I think Barnes Bluff would be the famous one because it's a very distinctive mountain. You can actually see it from very far away more distinctively than Cradle Mountain. And maybe had we, well, at least had I not been so tired. I don't know. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that... And you couldn't be stuffed. I couldn't be stuffed doing Barnes Bluff <laughs> after Cradle Mountain and knowing what we had ahead of us. But I think if I had been a hardier person, a more gun-ho hiker that <laughs> loved mountains and uphills, yeah. I probably would have um, pushed in Barnes Bluff as well, mm. maybe in the morning, do Barnes Bluff, lead the pack at Waterfall Hut, grab the pack again and then... Yeah, if, I think if we ever did back. it again, I'd like to do Barnes Bluff if, mm. if the weather was suitable. I'm surprised Don didn't just go off and do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, to be... Okay, the, the problem is to go back from Waterfall Valley to do Barnes Bluff is that there's a huge amount of stairs to go back along the track. So mm. you're basically backtracking yes. up the stairs <laughs> to a junction that you pass on the first day and then you have to go up there's no clear way from Waterfall Valley to do the side trip. If it had been starting straight from the campsite, I would have done it. But it's a seven kilometer day, day two. <laughs> All I'm hearing is excuses here. If, if you were doing an overnight and you didn't do the overland track and you walked to Waterfall Hut and the first day you did Cradle Mountain, you could on the second day walk back and do Barnes Bluff. Mm. And that would be a pretty decent two day 
one night hike in that yeah. area. I think well, Barnes Bluff is quite a significantly long track to get to. I think it's six k's. And I think just the top, to the summit, is quite and scrambly. It's, it's a little bit challenging. So I mean, do I regret that we didn't do it? Yes, I do. But um, do I think that we made the right decision for ourselves at the time? Yes. Will you probably force me to do it in the future? Yes. Probably. <laughs> um, so you've done the side trip just to the lake today and saw everything in the distance, which we didn't climb up on. Uh, the night at, right, where is it, Windermere. Mm. That was an interesting night for the both of you. Yeah. Mm, that's um, the fateful night. Well, I guess it was more fateful for Alyssa. I will, I will just comment, though, that on the way to... To, like the day had been great as well because it was an easy day. We saw an echidna um, by the side of the track. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, we befriended that family, the, the priest family. They, they weren't all priests, their surname was <laughs> priest. Um, and they, you know, they were really nice people and we got to know them quite well over the whole trip. Mm. And we also befriended uh, an old German man who we met on the first day. He, he didn't walk to Waterfall Valley. We, we met him when we came down from Cradle Mountain and he was staying in Kitchen Hut, which is a hut you're not meant to stay in. Mm. Um, They're already a dodgy character. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we kind of thought, oh, he's old. And Alyssa and I were so worried for him. We were thinking, oh, this poor guy. Well, he didn't have a map. He didn't have any guidebook or map. So I lent him my book so he could have a look at it. So we were, we were a bit nervous wow. that he wasn't prepared. And then because he didn't walk all the way to Waterfalls and kind of called it quits quite early and stayed in the hut you're not supposed to stay in, um, which I think is well for him. If he had have stayed in Waterfall Valley Hut, he would have found the noise not to his liking mm. because the night of the Windermere hut night, I set my my mattress on one of the bottom bunks and it and Don was on top, on the top kind of bunk. And it's kind of like a T-junction hut. So, well, T-junction kind of platform. So his head was kind of where my head was, kind of making like a corner, like a T. And my mattress is a, what is it? Cedar Summit. Cedar Summit. Um, and it's quite squeaky when you kind of move. I think anyone who's it. owned a Cedar Summit mattress will know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be nodding and, along at this point. And yeah. I'm sadly not a, um, a still sleeper. I'm mm. a, a restless sleeper. And especially when my muscles are a little bit achy and I'm not used to sleeping on a mat. I don't know, I've got lots of excuses as to why I move a lot. But the, the fact is I move and I make noise. And I try really hard not to, mm. at least well, when I'm is, trying... You, you don't make noise. The mattress makes noise because it's an inherently noisy design. Yeah, you know? okay. But regardless, noise was made. I was wearing earplugs. You were we wearing earplugs. Other people were wearing earplugs. But he, unfortunately, was right next to the mattress. Um, some point in the middle of the night, he must have had enough. He woke me up by flashing a torch right in my face, in my eyes. Um, and shouted at me to stop making all the bloody noise. And I just froze with fear because I just just scared the living daylights out of me, having just been peacefully asleep. Um, he then proceeded to, like, roughly grab all his gear and, like, threw it across the hut like a little child. 
to the the bunk beds on the other side, mm. which woke other people up. I hadn't woken other people up except him mm. until he decided to do that. Sorry. Um, and, yeah, and I think he kind of didn't sleep for a long time and kind of walked in and out, and I think he went to the bathroom and then came back and was slamming doors and clearly was really angry. Um, and I spent a long time just – I didn't move – I think I was, like, paralyzed with, like, what had just happened? What do I do? I don't know what... Yeah. Mm. I can't sleep now because I am was scared that he was... He, I don't know. It was just such the strangest, most aggressive response I've ever had kind of socially. So I tried to sleep, didn't sleep. No one else had seemed to notice Don was quite asleep because he had earplugs. I grabbed my stuff and ended up moving to the um, kitchen area. So this hut had a... Um, mud room but it also had a kitchen area which was kind of like a separate space that had a sliding door between the sleeping quarters and the kitchen space so I kind of slept somewhere under a table because I just needed to get away I couldn't if I was going to get any sleep the rest of the night I just couldn't be in the same space as this guy Mm. so I moved and then I think in the morning he got up quite early and I'd gotten up I just didn't sleep well, so I just wanted to get packed up faster. Yeah. And then you came out and asked me why I was... Yeah, because I, I woke up there. and then I looked down and I was like, where's Alyssa? And then when I was turning, because I also have a Cedar Summit mattress, I got this like glare from across the room <laughs> from the, the old man. And then I went down and I asked Alyssa, you know, I went to the kitchen and I found her there and asked what happened and I was so angry that the guy had been like that. And he came and he, you know, he approached us and was like... You know, oh, you guys shouldn't be sleeping in the huts if you're like this, if you're this noisy. And and I said, you know, you're the one who's, you know, causing all sorts of other problems in the middle of the night. And you're the one who's, who's waking people up in the middle of the night, shining torches in their faces. And and then he just like threw his arms up and, you know, just was angry. And then we found out later that he reported us to the ranger. And, you know, was, he was complaining to everyone about how we were terrible people and... Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, like, if it's a noisy mattress or it's a snorer, you should have headphones or earplugs. Yeah. Like, you're never, ever going to be in a space where it's going to be 100% quiet all the time. No. It's part of, like, sharing a space. Yeah. Like, like the amount of times I'd, like, sleep in a, a Billman hut and expect it to be quiet is when I'm the only one there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And even then I wake myself up trying to roll around <laughs> on my mattress. Yeah. And... Yeah. If he's that sensitive, really, he should have had a tent and he should have slept mm. then far away from people, If and which he did have a tent. We thought maybe he didn't, mm. seeing he didn't have a map, but it turned out he did have a tent. Mm. But he felt otherwise. He thought that we were the ones that were yeah. being purposefully... He made me feel like I was purposefully being... Um, yeah, because that's your goal as a hiker is to annoy everyone. Oh else yeah, and not not get along with anyone. That's my. That's it. That's, that kind of sums me up as a person, really. And and the ranger said to him, uh, maybe you should sleep in a tent. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he was like, what are you going to do about these people with the noisy mattresses? Like, and he's the ranger's like, what? <laughs> I was grateful that all the other people that we kind of were traveling with were quite supportive and nice and yeah, mm. yeah. So it kind of made me go. It's not. I mean, even rationally, I know it's not me, but at that point, I was a bit. I've, it's made me very self-conscious yeah. since that day of like sleeping around people when camping or hiking, even just in a tent near other tents. Now I'm still a bit like, oh, don't wake me up. I'm sorry, yeah. but it is what it is, and that's 
the yep. experience we had. Mm. Well, at least you didn't get the possums that were at that hut. No, there was some very active possums in that area. Yeah, a lot of theft happened. Someone had a really nice big Agnes, the copper spur, the orange one, mm. and ripped through the tent. Uh, and the, the lady was quite an experienced hiker, so she was really annoyed with herself. She's like, ah, I should have known. Yeah. And then some other guy said that they ripped through the tent and grabbed one of his bags and he went to grab the bag and it was like Yoda taking the food. You know? <laughs> like, no, mine! Tug of war. <laughs> yeah. uh, you think they would learn after this long to like how a fly works and then just sneak in there and just take the food, but uh, no. No. Let's just be thankful of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you had your run-in with the angry German. I hope he's listening and he feels bad. Um, I don't think he did. No. The next hut, I I didn't want to like leave it as an ang- at an angry point, mm. so I actually went up to him to kind of give him the opportunity to maybe apologize or maybe he had time to reflect. But no, mm. throughout the whole seven days that we travelled with him, not once did he because mm. he was like, "It's like a freight train." He, he just constantly <laughs> would then bring it back to like, if I ever talked to, he, he avoided us from then on. Mm. When I did approach him to kind of have a chat to be nice. He would bring it back to how terrible. Yeah, and he really liked my Keen's uniques, and I was going to tell him what they were. But after he did that, I was like, "I'm not telling you. You're not getting one of those." (laughs) You should have like scribbled on the name so you couldn't read it, bro. (laughs) You tried to look. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, yeah. So you guys were up early with. uh, Yes, to get out the incident. Um, Did you get away before the angry German? We did, but, but then we were walking and we turned around and he was behind us. We're like, no. And we knew that the next hut had almost like rooms mm. and we're like, we've got to get there before he does because yeah. we're getting a room at one end and hopefully he'll have the sense to get to a room at the other end. So that was the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. This, mm. So they, um, day three to New Pelion, which is um, one of the, the newer huts and it's uh, about 14 Ks. Quite an interesting day because it goes to the lowest point of the track. It descends to, I think, about like 700 meters below sea level. And that's the lowest point. So well above the hills at Perth. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, to put it into perspective for people from Perth, Mount Cook isn't as high as the lowest point. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's how high... Because that would be what tell you below up almost. Yeah, 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 about there. That would be like as, as low as it goes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Perspective. And it's that that point is called Frog Flats, and it's a, a bit of a leachy camping area in the rainforest. And I think mm. t- the day was a bit of a mix of button grass plains, rainforest, button grass plains, rainforest, mountains in the background, and there was a lot of mountains. Like this is, I think. In Tassie, there's just so many mountains that you just kind of... The, the track's a bit blasé about it. Like, if it was any other track, you'd be like, yeah. oh, we'll climb this one. It's like, nah. nah. We've got Cradle Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Barnes Bluff, that's just nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the day was, I think, an interesting day in terms of the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Very muddy, I remember. I remember walking past some amazing lakes that some, like the family that we had met went for swim... A, a really nice swim that was really cold. I remember hearing from afar lots of like <laughs> of people like going into like icy water, yeah, like, <laughs> which I don't think. Yeah, I think yeah. at that point we were like, <laughs> not there. And so there was also the is it Mount Oakley? 
that we could see in the distance? Yeah, yeah. so when you're reaching sort of the end of the day, so from Frog Flats, I guess, is a very obvious point, mm-hmm. and then you're rising up, and then just before you get to the hut, as you enter the, the plains, the Pelion Plains, you can see Mount Pelion, which is a really distinctive mountain because it's like a long, flat mountain that reaches like a... And it's a sheer drop on, is on one Pelion? side. Is that Pelion? I thought that was Oakley. Sorry, Oakley. You... you oh, yes! Mona oh, Lisa, but, zero but, Donovan. But you pass Pelion, Mount Pelion West. <laughs> yes. No, no. Yes. Alyssa won Donovan. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I, I'll give that, it to you. It looks like the Pride Rock from... From right, yeah. the Lion King. Like you could walk all the way across the top and then hold out a baby cub. Or a yeah. baby wombat. Oh, that would be great. That would probably be so sweet. rip you to shreds. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's a really interesting mountain. I mean it's a what some people suggest doing is staying an extra day at um, New Pelion mm. and then doing that as a side trip, but we didn't have the, the time or the supplies for it. On the way there, you get to see Old Pelion, which is one of the older huts on the track. And I remember we thought it was a bit scrappy, but since going to Walls of Jerusalem, it's a bit luxury compared to yeah. some of those. It wasn't as creepy as some of the old, other old kind of trapper's hut and kind of woodsman hut that looked like a murder story waiting yeah. to happen. These are more Disney huts than... Yeah, like yeah, murder, American horror story huts. Yes. Yeah, I guess even though they, they are, by today's standards, rinky-dink, you know, they do have a tourism aspect, mm. whereas the ones that were in some other parts of Tassie were real just for people to work, and they're very Spartan. Mm-hmm. But then if you compare that to like something like New Pelion, which is a mansion as far as huts go, it can sleep 60 people in the rooms, and that's not including the the kitchen area, which is massive. I've heard of people, I think someone I know said that they did that in winter and they played a game of cricket inside <laughs> there because it's so long. <laughs> that would be awesome. And it yeah. had this amazing balcony well, veranda that went all around it. So you could, I mean, we got there quite early. We got there around one-ish. So yeah. we kind of set all up and then you could just sit in the sun mm. on the balcony looking out at Mount Oakley. and. Yep. Across, and I, sh- I should say that I was right when I said the, the Pelion Plains. <laughs> Let it go, Don. And Mount Oakley. Because it, it is the Pelion Plains. Yeah, I never yeah. said, I never did say that you were uh, yeah, wrong. I know, but I just, I just wanted to point out that. <laughs> I just said that I was it, right about a major fact. You, you were correct, but I just wanted to point out that if I did say the Pelion Plains, <laughs> that it's not the Oakley Plains. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, that afternoon, we, I, I think we walked some of that other track. With yeah, the family we walked that a bit of met. the the Arm River track, which is the a track that leads to the hut, because this is an area that's quite popular with just day day trippers mm. um, who can walk in on the Arm River track, and we did a bit of that. And they went that's where they went for that swim. Yeah, we went for a little walk with them, and beautiful stream with lots of rocks, and it was quite cold. Um, Freezing. But I think at that point we had it was nice to have a bit of a dip and a shower and refresh yourself, and I think also having a terrible sleepless night it was nice to wake yourself up and the family was so lovely and yeah it was nice to kind of hang out with them yeah and they were really like they were really consoling you about the guy because everyone heard yeah um yeah it was became gossip Mm, it did yeah so back to this mansion of huts as you described it yep 
This is what you're paying your money for. It's not basic accommodation. No. What, what would you expect to pay if that was an option as a campsite, say in like Victoria or WA, per night, per person? Well, I mean, Victoria would charge you for... When I was just there recently, they charged like $13 for a tent site. And that all that had was a table, a water source, and a toilet. Hmm. So I would imagine that they would charge in excess of, I don't know, $30, 40 $50 yeah. for that kind of accommodation. Yeah, so it really is deluxe. It does. It's probably the only time I've seen a track that had better facilities than the bib. But the bib's free. So, yeah. you know, you're getting... You know, people on the bib need to realize how lucky they are for for nothing that they're getting mm. quite good accommodation. Um, it's the I mean the bunks are a bit like the Bibbleman huts in that they are sort of like, especially the the northern half where they're those bunks. So it's, it's a lot of that. You have to bring your own mats. So it's not like they have their own mattresses as well. But you know, it's pretty good. But it's uh, four walls and to keep the especially the Tasmanian where they're out. That's you know, a great option to have at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's extremely suitable for the climate. It is like it could be snow one day and then sunny the next, so it's, mm. yeah. And as you say, kind of, if you can play a game of cricket inside the hut, there's obviously room to spread out, you know, enclosed as you are on the bib. If it's raining or snowing, you, you know, you have some area to read a book or play cards or whatever. Some or, privacy. Or get away from angry German men. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, where did he stay? He <laughs> stayed in the room next to us. Oh, he so, and that's at the that's the point I decided to have a a second conversation with him, which was basically, "Hi, remember me?" Um, so, <laughs> I've set my mattress up in this room, and you're in the next room. Mm. Um. It might be an idea if you moved to the furthest room if you don't want to be woken up again. And he just, just, he didn't really, he didn't move. He basically just went on to proceed to tell me how noisy I was again. Mm. And at that point, I just gave up and went, okay, and smiled and decided that was going to be as far as we were going to get yeah. until uh, I was going to put the ball in his court, but... So, yes. So, I, I, what I did is I... There were separate rooms, but they had kind of like rolly doors between all the rooms. So, if you wanted, you could kind of open them all up. Mm. We kept the roller door shut, obviously. And then I stuffed the little gap down the bottom with like my, my pack. Yeah. So, that ultimate noise could not go through. Because mm. mm. it, it was such a big hut and there was not 60 people staying in the hut. There would have probably been maybe 12 people staying in, in the hut because a lot of most people were in tents. So we had the room to ourselves. So mm. it was, you know, very luxury. I think each yeah. room was like up to four or six people. Yeah. You could if you wanted to. So, mm. Yeah, it was pretty good. That was quite nice. I definitely had a much better sleep that night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So day four, you're talking about it's been a bit cold so far and you didn't really want to go for a swim. Day four is when it really started to heat up, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think when people think Tassie, they think cold. And we had not been prepared for how hot it could be. It was so hot that day. I mean, I think it was in the mid to high 20s, maybe like 25, 26, which doesn't sound hot. Mm. But the UV out there is insane. It's like, you know, in Perth, when you walk outside and you have that burn, mm. it's like that. You know, yeah. the, the it has just as bad UV and, you know, pretty poor ozone protection. So this day was a real struggle because it was the Mount Ossa day. So it's climbing the highest mountain in Tassie. 
Mm. And otherwise, it's a pretty easy day. It's only 8.2Ks to Peora from Pelion. But, you know, when you have the highest mounted in Tassie near you, I know Alyssa would disagree. <laughs> you, you gotta do it, right? Exactly. I actually was really hesitant to do it. I remember I was not really feeling it. And um, we had met some Malaysian friends, some girls who were traveling together. And one of them was like really gun ho about going up. And the other one was a bit more like me. So we had organized the day before to meet at the top at the point where you'd start Mount Ossa and the gun ho friend would go with Don and the not gun ho person would slowly amble up with me. And mm. it actually worked quite well. Yeah. And then we met that um, African-American guy as well who we walked with. He was really fit and really strong, but he gets lost very easily. When we were climbing up, there was this one bit where he like pointed to the left and said, I think the track goes up this way, up this slot. I'm like, dude, there's a marker pointing up that way. <laughs> so he uh, uh, geographically challenged. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think the, what's the word that Steve uses was um, oh. geographically embarrassed. Yeah, embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, the, the five of us went up and it was, it was a bit less of a scramble. It's more of an up, 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 up until you reach the saddle where it's, there's a bit of an awkward climb and you walk across. But the summit of Mount Ossa was amazing. Mm. Cause and it was a hot day, mm. but there was snow. <laughs> yes. Uh, the snow was a savior because we were so hot that being able to get snow and, like, shove it in your face. <laughs> and I think that was the first time I'd ever touched snow, like, legitimate snow, not, yeah. like, artificial snow in, like, a dome, but, like, actual from-the-sky snow mm. on a mountain. So mm. we were both a little bit, like, little snow! kids and, like, making, like, snowballs and, like, eating it and, yeah. I don't know, like, stepping through it. And mm. I filled my water bottles with the snow. And then had like icy cold water, which on a day when you feel like you're on fire yeah. is fantastic. Because I suppose it's not the experience most people get when they see snow for the first time. It's normally cold or winter or whatever. And you guys are in the middle of summer and it's hot and it's actually a welcome relief. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so pretty cool. It was, that was probably to me, I think there's a photo I took where it's looking back across. The, I think it's like looking east from the mountain. Um, and that, to me, is one of the iconic images for, in my mind of our trip, mm. where you're looking across the mountain. And I think the guy, the African-American guy standing in the snow, so you get a sense of like how, how big the summit is. Mm. And like people were arriving by that stage. And yeah, it just was... And you realize how mountainous Tassie is, because you, know, you hear that it's, oh, it's the most mountainous um, island in the world and when mm. you're there you see it you go yeah i, I can believe that mm. looking at it mm. it was really good you don't like mountains do you <laughs> no you're just like, like no i do not no i'm this. the kind of person who grows up like three quarters and then wants to turn around <laughs> which i know is not necessarily the the best kind of yeah philosophy but i actually really quite enjoyed the summit it was worth it I remember seeing all these um, amazing mosses. We saw a lot in Walls of Jerusalem, the kind of really tufty, hard moss. And oh, it's uh, not, it's... Um, looks like moss. It's not moss, it's um, cushion plant. Yeah, lots of amazing cushion plants that were flowering and yeah, different mm -hmm. kind of things I hadn't yet seen. It's really interesting because I guess this was the first time we saw a lot of the Montane Heath stuff that we didn't really get to see elsewhere and we... 
And I remember saying to the guys we were walking with, I said, you know, it's really weird for me to see pine trees and it be native because there were a lot of pine trees along the ascent. Every time I see pine trees, I think, oh, a plantation, but yeah. you know, it's nice to see actual pines that are meant to be there. Mm. And you mentioned Mount Osser is the tallest peak in Tasmania compared to Frog Flats where it was um, 700 metres. What's Mount Osser? Um, sixteen hundred and something. Sixteen, yeah. I think sixteen nineteen or something like that. So it's a fair climb for you know day three going into day four. Yeah, because basically um, from Frog Flats, it's basically all uphill all the way to New Pelion, and then from New Pelion, it's basically uphill through rainforest up until you reach um, the gap where the, the where the mountain starts. Mm. And also Mount Osser, you dropped your packs off. Yes. yes. <laughs> and something up. to probably note for other people is put your pack cover on when you drop your pack in some of these points because the Karawongs are very crafty and know how to open your zip mm. and get into your pack. Because so while, while possums yeah, can't. They haven't taught the possums. No, yes. the Karawongs have learnt. They're much smarter. Yes. So they've um, yeah put your pack cover on mm. and it just make, gives it that extra. Yeah. And for those playing at home, what's a Karawong? It's a crow with a crow. yellow devil eyes yeah okay. it's definitely you know you think raptor and you go clever girls <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> uh okay and mount osses will return to the wombats you saw another wombat i think that was at the hut at kia Ora, yeah, yeah which is the next hut yeah so um, that that day we decided to tent for the first time because it was horribly hot in yeah, the hut it was outrageously hot we thought we'd have a better chance having a good sleep. We even didn't put our top. I think we slept. No, no, that was... No, no, no we, we did. did? Oh, okay. Yeah, we did. We didn't sleep with our... Um, what's it called? Your The outer layer. Out, yeah. like the, we, we just slept with the fly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and which was actually kind of kind of nice for the night, seeing all the stars as you mm. fall asleep. Yeah. Because it was just... Yeah, it was uh, hot and it was unrelenting... Mm. even into the evening and it was christmas eve as well yeah. so it was a lovely way to welcome christmas yeah. but that's that's where we saw our second wombat which was out near the helicopter pad okay yeah so yeah again great facilities if anything yeah. happens <laughs> yeah so every um campsite one of the great things is because i think it's so mountainous that it is not feasible to build roads into the park Mm. So you get this illusion when you're walking in it that there's nothing, there's no civilization at all, um, and everything is choppered in and out. And that's how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> there's no forestry tracks, there's no fire tracks. Yep. I think that's kind of, yeah, that's a, the appeal of going is you're in the wilderness area. Yeah. And I think the only other time other than in the Tasmanian wilderness that, you know, I've experienced that in, say, in, in WA was in Fitzgerald River where you, you don't get a sense of beyond it yeah which is nice yeah we'll, we'll talk about that in a later pod because we do do have that coming up yes <laughs> so you're night under the stars you saw a wombat do we want to go into the square poop issue we're talking about before <laughs> before the podcast yeah we might as well okay so don has a theory or he's heard why they have square poop do you want to enlighten the, the listeners well i guess you know the, the reason that it's it's useful to have square poop is that <laughs> you can claim your territories. The reason why they do that is that they, they're very territorial animals. Yeah. And 
having square poo means that it sort of stays on the track yeah. where they put it and leave it on. And sometimes you see them like precariously placed on top of rocks, like, like a can. Yeah, like they've made like, <laughs> like we, saw, we saw that in Walls of Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, it was like on top of a rock. Yeah. Um, and so you know, you wonder how did this happen? And it would have probably been that in the past they didn't all have square anuses, but. <laughs> A weird mutation is like, yep, that's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah, and then as a result of that, they became more successful at claiming their territory because it's like, it doesn't roll away, it stays here, I can make yeah. cans out of it, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, it obviously it worked for them. I'm not going to argue. But every time, because Aaron, his Instagram name is has Wombat in it, and he yeah. loves Wombat, so I'm just imagining him going up to rocks now. <laughs> like, it's my territory. Yeah. <laughs> Which he didn't do on the bill when he went to the proper facility. <laughs> it's good to know. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah leave no trace. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Under the Stars, Cena Wombat, day five. Christmas Day. Christmas Day. And also you labeled this the Waterfall Day. That's correct, yeah. So you see three waterfalls on this day. There are more, apparently, if you are foolhardy and want to fall into the river. Mm. But there's three that are accessible. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Dalton, Ferguson, and... Harnett. Hartnett. Oh. Like Josh Hartnett, oh. I think. Uh, I, I thought it was Josh Harnett, but <laughs> there we go. It's like Hermione. Yep. Hermione. Yeah. So um, these are off the track and so they're on the mercy river and from one of them you can actually walk into the walls of jerusalem from there so there's there's a bit of a some some people who are a little bit more crazy than us such as um walking with wired walking, walking with, with wired walked across because mm. of course she did yeah <laughs> and the waterfalls are all really beautiful all very different i think the most pretty one was was dalton it had the multi-tiers and then Ferguson was just insane. It was just like this rush of water. And, and the, the viewpoint's not great because you're right next to it. So you don't really get a sense of, of like what the waterfall looks like from mm. afar. But it was just pretty crazy. And I remember one of the Malaysian girls walked up to the ledge. Oh. And there's a photo of her standing on this wet ledge next to the waterfall. It's like, you could have mm. died. Yeah, yeah it was very precarious. Mm. Um, and while it's less elegant, Hartnett Falls was probably my favorite because you descend down the track into like a gorge with steep walls. And to get to the falls, you have to walk alongside the gorge. It's kind of like Calabari or Caragini where you've got the sheer walls on either side and this waterfall at the end of it. So it's really, really cool. And Hartnett Falls is the one where you can walk across, um, across the top of it and get into the walls from there. But obviously we didn't do that. But I, I didn't go with you on that one. Yeah, for Hartnett, you didn't. Um, I was starting to feel unwell. Yeah. I got a cold at this point, so I decided to have a little rest. Mm-hmm. And rightly so. You don't want to push yourself on these multi-day hikes when it could just blow no. out and be worse. Yeah, and I think you probably exerted yourself a fair bit the previous day, and that probably... And I think also not sleeping and having a bit of stress from mm. the whole mm. German man incident didn't quite help. Yeah. So I think by this point, I had reached a point of mm. no more. Yeah. And well, at least for the one waterfall. Before the waterfalls, there was also Duquesne Hut, which is probably the most character-filled hut. It's the rickety one where 
I think it was built in the 1920s and all the walls are on weird angles. The door is on an, it's like literally they, they built the hut and went, Oh no, it's on an angle. Better cut the door in an angle yeah. as well. So like the art director for the first Harry Potter movie, like it all has to be wonky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're wizards. <laughs> yeah. So now that you guys are experts in waterfalls, having spent a lot of time in Queensland and Northern New South Wales, how do these waterfalls compare to those ones? Pretty good. What do you yeah. say? Yeah. It holds up. Yeah. They, I think <laughs> <laughs> not, they, they, were, oh, yeah. they were pretty epic. Um, we, we can't give Tasmania like best of everything. <laughs> we have to I'd, mark I'd them down. I think I'd prefer bits. to go to Queensland for a waterfall. Yeah. I think, okay, Queensland, it's okay. It's like WA. You know, WA, when it comes to beaches, is the, the quality and quantity is high. Mm. Same with Queensland when it comes to waterfalls. The quality yeah. and quantity of waterfalls is whew, through the roof. Although, if you're going to compare Queensland and Tasmania, you could all, remember when we were walking through Mount Field National Park to Russell Falls? Mm. We had recently been through Queensland at that point, and we were like, this is exactly like Queensland, except add a couple of more ferns and change the weather. Yeah. And you could believe that you were literally in Queensland. Yeah. It felt, it's this. Some sections, I don't know whether you're looking at me like I'm saying the wrong I'm thing. saying Gondwana. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it felt, it, yeah, it felt like yeah, almost very same similar, way. same kind of. But I suppose the advantage with Queensland and New South Wales waterfalls that if you do have access to swim in, you know, the base or swim under them, you can do that. Whereas I'm guessing Tasmania waterfalls, you don't really want to, given it's no. alpine fed. People cold. did though. Yeah, the the priest family did. Uh, I would not. Uh, it was maybe terribly they're, cold. Maybe they're baptizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the waterfalls are, are are great, but not as swimmer friendly. No. no. Mm. So this is a day with lots of side trips, and as we said, Don, you went on some. Alyssa, you didn't. No, I had an awkward, quiet sit with the German man who came <laughs> and sat next to me. You'd given up peaceful negotiations at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't think he. I have a feeling he just didn't understand social. Um, I, I don't know. But yeah, see, that's what gets me. Like being a hiker, you are put into those situations almost daily. If there's lots of people around, mm. I don't understand why he was so weird. I have a feeling he was a little socially awkward mm. and didn't quite understand some social cues. Oh, okay. So I have. Yeah, that's the feeling I got by that point, and I started to feel a little sorry for him Aww. at that point. Yeah, that's what I was doing at that at that time, trying to fend off um, the leeches that were inching up. Okay, did yeah. you get any attached to you? Not yet. Not that's yet? later okay. in the story. We'll talk about that later <laughs> then. Um, so end of day five, kind of you've seen a lot of waterfalls and the lodge that night. Yeah. When you, you pick the correct word, that's aptly described. It is the lodge. I have it written down here. <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous. It's, it's this massive hut. Like, it's bigger than some people. It's bigger than our house. It literally is bigger than the house that we live in. Mm. It is ridiculously huge, um, architecturally amazing, like really beautiful. I think some people see it, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, it's not rustic enough. But uh, my view is that it's better to keep with an, a current architectural style that maybe is a bit more environmentally friendly and I think it's been designed that way although as a result there's some issues with it like it, it was a hot day and I felt the rooms were really hot mm. and the the dining room was massive and it overlooks the Duquesne range 
So that's kind of nice. Mm. Is this the Burt Nichols hut or Duquesne this hut? This is Burt Nichols, but it's also... Called Duquesne. No, it's called Windy Ridge is what it's oh, also okay. known I knew as. it had a double name. Yeah. And there's artwork on the ceiling because there's a rule in Tasmania. If you build a government building, there has to be art. Is it better than the WA public art? So is, is it better than the ice cream cones on Forest Highway or the cactus in Forest Chase? We paid a lot of money for those and I just look at them just like, just leave it as a rest. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Go spend that money on a walking trail. They, um, I, I think it's, it's suitable. Um, I don't, I didn't like... I didn't want to go out and buy a replica of it. <laughs> yeah. But I think it, it was... It, they're basically, they're, they're the shape of leaves and they're leaves in the, of the trees in the area. So I think it responds to the site. Yeah. It was pleasant and non-offensive. Yeah. Government art. That's what you want out of government <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I, I kind of like WA's sort of, you know, a little... They take a, f- a few risks with making some, you know, moderately challenging works, which I, I think... I think that's a, that's that has its place as well, you know. Yeah. All right, we'll leave WA's <laughs> criticism out. So, excellent lodge. Yeah. But we stayed on one of the tent platforms because, it, again, it was just so hot. Mm. I think because I was quite unwell and I was getting a bit of a fever, so I couldn't handle the hot room. So, we set up in the room and then moved out to the yeah to sleep mm-hmm. in a tent. And we looked quite busy this night. Yeah, yeah, Christmas Day. So There were like two or three... Like um, walking with wired types who are like, oh, we're doing this in four days, or we're doing mm. this in three days, you know. So yeah. they that that sort of I think they caught up to us and ended up being a bit of a of a bottleneck. Mm. But it was quite a nice feeling around the camp. Some guy made a cake. Did you sing carols? Ah, uh, those the some people did. Yeah. I think we went to bed early. Well, I went to bed early because I was really out of it. I'm feeling like Silent Night. It's a bit of a fun one to sing if you've all got Cedar Summer mattresses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this is halfway through the Overland track. So I think now is probably a good time to have a bit of a pause and have a word about our sponsors, Studio, who make fantastic headphones. Yeah, so if you ever find yourself in a a hut or a campsite and you really want to block out that noise you see the summit, I highly recommend the Vasa And they are great like excellent like you will not hear any cedar summit mattresses <laughs> and i can validate that because i used them quite a lot while i was out on the bib in the last week and yeah blocked out sound amazingly the sound quality is fantastic just plugged them into my power bank at the end of each day and they saw me through the day can't recommend studio more they're just great quality great price free shipping and if you use the code trail talk or one word you get 15 percent off your order Yep. Fantastic products. Alyssa's using them right now. What do you think? Comfy. Yes. Mm. Very good. Okay. So we've talked about the excellent lodge. Great day. Now, continuing on the naming theme, the next day is to Pine Valley. Yes. Is there a valley and is it full of pines? Correct. <laughs> Thank God. We've got to keep that going. <laughs> so what was involved with this this day? So Pine Valley is not actually part of the Overland, but it's one of the popular side trips. So it's basically uh, branches off and goes into the Decane Range, and it's very much worth doing. It is, I think, one of the most stunning parts of the whole track. For me, it was a highlight, and would you agree? Yeah, I agree. It was um, 
a really beautiful walk along lots of boardwalk and kind of soft um mossy through kind of soft mossy trees and it's kind of magical and lord of the rings-esque yeah it was quite a different kind of rainforest Mm. that we hadn't yet seen uh and the moss almost looked like it was a muppet like it looked like it was like like you it would turn around go hey what are you doing here (laughs) you know like it, it just it was so plush um, really fantastically beautiful with all this water everywhere. Like little and these... streams trickling and it was mm. very idyllic. Yeah. So yeah. Like the background photo of like relaxation music for a day spa or something, that's what you'd expect. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. And the pines, let's talk about the pines. Because obviously WA, again, pine plantations, we don't naturally get them. Mm. We used to on Rottnest, but we don't anymore. Yeah. Are they similar to the ones on Mount Ossa? Are they more alpine pines? They're, so there's a mix. Um, I think the ones that we saw on Ossa were all pencil pines, but they have some called celery top, where the leaves are a bit more like celery tops. I think they're related, and I think they can crossbreed to mm. become... With another. celery. Not with celery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're really beautiful pines. They're not actually of the pinus family, but mm. they're in the overall pine family yeah. and the typical kind of pine shape. They're a little bit misshapen, which I think gives them more character, whereas I find pinus radiata has that almost like disgustingly straight look. Yeah, which is probably why it's used for plantation. <laughs> yeah, because it's great for, you know, making things with, but yeah. Yeah. And also on the day, shout out to Michelle on this one. You crossed the suspension bridge. Yes. Was that a lot of fun? They usually are. Yeah. Oh, a lot of fun. Um, Because there's actually on... So we crossed one on the Arm River track briefly. um, But on the Overland, there's only one. So this one is not on the Overland. So the the benefit of doing the side trip is you get to cross a suspension bridge, which Mm -hmm. is fun. Um, And it's, yeah, a really nice one across quite a, a wide river. It made the day exciting. Yeah. It was quite a relaxing day, I remember, like in terms of the actual walk to the hut. To Pine Valley, yes. And then, um, well, at least for the rest of the day, for me, I spent the day playing cards with the kids of the priest family because I had had enough. And I think I was still, my cold was still going. Yeah. So I needed a break. And you went off and did some harder hikes up through to the, the Acropolis. Not to the Acropolis, because oh. the weather apparently was pretty bad, and we were told by someone, they said, I wouldn't do the Acropolis in this weather, so if you are going to do any of the side trips, maybe do the Labyrinth. So, <clears throat> the Acropolis is a, probably the hardest of the mountain climbs in the area, and I would have loved to have done it. It was definitely on my list, because it has these sort of rocks that look like totem poles, on so like the Acropolis thing, Like right? the Acropolis, <laughs> yes. They're very, very aptly named here. So, um, but the labyrinth isn't. It's not a maze, really, but what it... Did you see David Bowie there? No. <laughs> Did you see a minotaur? No. Uh, oh, there is, there is a mountain called the Minotaur. <laughs> I have a feeling someone, and I'm sure I've read this somewhere in a map guide or a guidebook somewhere in Tasmania, that someone was a, a big fan of oh. Greek. And Roman mythology. Definitely. I mean, there's the Narcissus River, you know, Minotaur, the, you know, the Acropolis. So we, so I went up there and had the view of the labyrinth and Mm. it is amazing. It's, I'm glad that we went to Pine Valley and we went to Tarn Shelf because you didn't get to see it, but it was very similar to that where there's sort of 
on on the higher levels, you get sort of twisted looking um, eucalypts, um, a lot of montane heath, and then looking down into the lakes, there's all these glacial lakes everywhere, and it was just very stunning. Um, and you get to see Mount Gerion and the Acropolis to the to the right of the of the lookout sort of area, mm. um, and that again was one of the iconic sort of scenes for me of of the track so i definitely think it's worth it if you if you have the energy and you're not sick i think it's definitely worth doing that and i wish that we had could have done the acropolis as well but you know you as as we were saying you know you you gotta just take the good with the bad when it comes to weather and and don't just do a hard mountain walk because you've set out to do it and it's a good excuse to come back as well yeah and the overland is kind of one of those tracks that you can do Almost at any age. Mm. So, yeah. And Pine Valley can be walked for free as a, sec- as a separate trip. So mm. if you really wanted to just do the Acropolis, you could go to Lake Sinclair, walk uh, against the flow of the overland and mm. do Pine Valley as its own thing. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's got lots of opportunities. Options, yeah. So where was the stay? Did you get a luxurious hut at the end of this day? We actually ended up sleeping on the veranda. Um, it's not a great hut. I remember it being, it was all right. It was a bit small. It was quite busy, I think, at that point because lots of rock climbers and other people who had hiked in from Lake it was, St. Clair. It was Boxing Day, so, you know, that um, that sort of made it a bit crowded. So we ended up sleeping on the veranda. We just set up our tent, Bibbulmun track style, so the fly sleeping in there so mm. we don't have bugs, but then out in the, the open air, mm. which was nice. And I remember hearing all the amazing birds because we're just surrounded by trees. I think it was the loudest I'd he- had heard birds kind of both in, at night kind of as the sun went down and in, then in the morning. Mm. And then also the rats at night, I remember hearing. You could hear them kind of like running and then leaping off the platform. <laughs> like the, <laughs> it was like a veranda that was yeah, raised. Yeah, a veranda that was slightly raised. So you can kind of hear this, like yeah. them just kind of like running, mm. running, running, leap. I didn't hear any of I, that. I think I, I woke up and heard these little things <laughs> running around and leaping off. What I'm off. getting from this is Don's a heavy sleeper. <laughs> yeah, Don Don sleeps very well and straight away. He's one of those people that would put his head down and just suddenly is out. But then I'll always get that one random night where I'll just be like, I can't sleep. Whereas that's my whole trip. Because <laughs> yeah. I just can't sleep the whole trip. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a nice sleep on the veranda and then we come to the penultimate day. Hmm. Which is a lot. The point where a lot of people leave, you're saying, is a, a cheat way yeah. out. You can put in the code and leave. The yeah. Overland. So, so the idea was, as the plan was written, was that we would do the Acropolis on the day that we arrive, and then we would go do the Labyrinth in the morning. Due to the bad weather, we didn't do that, so we had a change of plans. Um, and we, the original idea was that we would walk to Narcissus Hut, and then the next day we would walk out. But because we now had an easy day ahead of us, we decided to double hut it. To literally double literally hut it. Literally double hut. Yes. You didn't feel guilty about using that term. <laughs> no. Um, but what a lot of people do when they get to Narcissus is they go, okay, that's the end of the trip. We're going to catch the ferry back across uh, Lake St. Clair to finish at... Cynthia Bay. At Cynthia Bay. So people do that and they'll, you know, they, they call the ferry, finish at Cynthia Bay... And that is not finishing the Overland track. It's correctly. not the long way. <laughs> it has to be the long way is better. Correct. The long way is better. 
Um, so we went the long way. So we got to Cynthia Bay. We crossed the second of the suspension bridges. And yeah, it was all right. We had lunch there. Apparently, you said that you heard someone say that it was a bit rat infested. Uh, people of the, that had previously stayed there had mentioned to me that there was quite a lot of rats in the actual hut itself, mm. which we hadn't experienced at all. No. And I remember as well that there were a lot of currawongs when we were sitting down. We had our lunch at the hut and they were just sort of eyeing us off. Like, obviously, because this is, a, a, you know, some tourists catch the ferry there and then just walk back along Lake Sinclair. So they're obviously really used to scavenging. Mm. Yeah, I remember that being a bit like the way that they were looking at us was a bit off-putting. Yeah. Um, we but, saw a tiger snake that day. Yeah, we did. So on the boardwalks to, so from Narcissus Hut, uh, walking through the plains, there's, there's sort of like the the odd pine tree through the plains before you reach the rainforest. And that was the, that was the, no, we, we had seen another one early on that day, but I remember that one was, was a bit sluggish. It was sort of on the track and then kind of like we had to really mm. tap our feet because, and that's when you have to be a bit more worried. So when they are sluggish mm. is when they might get frightened and attack. So, but it, you know, we got, got through that fine. Mm. And then after that, we entered the rainforest section. And that led off to Echo Point, wasn't it? Which you've described in your blog as one of the more charming huts on the track. Yeah, it's so it's one of the older style huts. It's not like this mansion, like uh, like New Pelion or a uh, ski lodge like uh, Bert Nichols. You know, it's, so you're roughing it. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, I think by most track standards, this would be deluxe camping because again, you've got a. Um, Potbelly. Potbelly stove. It was it was coal powered, so Tony Abbott would be very pleased to know. Yeah, keeping the industry alive. Yep, um, and it's got bunk beds, and it's it's really, you know, it's cool. It's it's cool to stay in a hut that apparently I think it's from the the fifties or sixties. And we saw an old hiker who came past and was like, "Oh, I remember this. It looks exactly how it looked when I was here." <laughs> so yeah, that was nice. And we kind of had a little picnic outside the front and. Tourists would stop off at the jetty and come in and poke their head in and go for a wander. And we met a nice couple who they were actually staying at the hotel that we had booked in mm. for the next day. And they had come and were telling us about how amazing the hotel was and that came and brought fresh bread and cheeses and oh, gave yum. us some bread. And that got us very excited about finishing the next yeah. day <laughs> <laughs> like with that in like kind of not too far off in the future yeah um and then we thought we were hoping we would have the whole hut to ourselves for the first time um and then a family turned up on the ferry and i think two of them um a son and a father joined us and then uh, i think a mother and daughter were camping it ended up though that night raining so hard um Mm. and we were pretty grateful for having been in the hut and not necessarily in a tent especially since that next day we wanted to get off pretty fast and early to kind of get it all done. Um, Yeah, so I I remember having a really good sleep because there's nothing like sleeping with Mm. kind of the rain falling down. I remember being really worried when the kid decided they wanted to sleep in the the hut because these sort of hippie family kind of showed up 
and they were like really airy fairy and like um, didn't really oh I don't like to plan things man you know <laughs> he just like rocked up mm. and then the kid really wanted to sleep in the hut and you know we're not gonna be jerks of course they can sleep in the hut yeah but then the kid I remember um, some one of the hikers the one who who had been on the second they had their their um, big Agnes tent ripped open mm. showed up we hadn't seen her because she'd camped at Frog Flats and she showed up and we, we felt a lot better it was like oh someone we know is here and I remember the kid said oh just to let you know at night I like to read until 11pm <laughs> and then he walked outside to talk to his sister and there was this long pause and then the lady went Good God. Because <laughs> we were totally on like hiking time of like the sun goes down at six yeah. and so do we. <laughs> I go to sleep at 6.30. <laughs> yeah. So like the idea of like a kid staying up to like 11, 11 with yeah. his like little torchlight, which he, he did for a little bit. And it was actually really cute. He, like, was sitting there giggling at his book and laughing. You and may have found that cute. I did not. Okay. <laughs> this is why I'm a primary school like, teacher. I want to sleep. <laughs> And then, but the dad was great. He he um he kind of yeah got him to settle was, down. I yeah. think I think you know the father was a good father and he was um you know respectful of us and kind yeah. of was like hey you know you just gotta gotta sleep. I am actually surprised you don't sleep with a set of uh, an eye mask. I can imagine hiking Don <laughs> going to bed in his very colourful hiking pajamas and then having a nice plush set of. I've got I a little wear. cat one that he can wear. Yeah, maybe I'll think about that. Although a buff is a much more useful thing. And I can also look like I'm on Survivor. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as you make the merge, then you're good. <laughs> and no one votes you out of the hike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you survived the rain. Final day, you're looking forward to the hotel, which we'll talk about later. The final 10 kilometers, what's, is that an enjoyable affair? Is it a sad affair? It was nice, but it was also leech invested. Yeah, it was. It's mixed feelings, I think, when you're about to finish because you're you're pretty. You, I mean, it was eight days. We hadn't really had that many showers. Um, it was wet and rainy that last day as well. Which I mean, if any day's gonna rain, the last day's the one you want it to rain. Mm. And it was again similar terrain to before the day before, where it was just a long Lake Saint Clair rainforest. But because it had rained all night quite heavily, it was all muddy now. And the leeches, they sit up on the, the leaves of the palms. So you brush past them and then they just drop onto you and mm. begin their feast, um, which was kind of gross. And I and, freaked out a lot about. And for some reason, so when we go hiking, normally I'm the one who's mosquito food and Alyssa gets nothing. Yep. Yeah. But I got away with the leeches. Yeah, the leeches yeah. seemed Not to one. drop on me, and I had them on my hands and my arms. Oh, and I'd no. throw them off, and I re—I mean, I know they're not that harmful, but yeah, it's just yeah. the creepy idea of it. Yeah, I got them all off, but I did find out later when I'd gotten—we got changed, and that's where I realized some had like creeped up your t-shirt, and there's on this yeah, on so your belly. I'm so happy we don't have that problem in WA. I mean, yeah. ticks are bad enough, but leeches. Yeah, especially in some of the wetter areas. I yeah. can imagine hiking the Pindurup Plains if that was full of leeches. Oh, oh. That would be hell. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, they'd have to divert the bill. <laughs> I mean, this is why I was glad I had the gaiters on as well because mm. I, I only really, I think I got them from them falling from the, the um, branches from kind of on high because mm. I think they'd fall down your shirt 
and kind of up on your hands and your arms. Mm. Whereas I can imagine if they were on my legs, ugh, no thanks. Yeah. Mm. So it was very muddy, muddy and leachy, the walk back. But it was only 10Ks. I mean, it was actually nice. I mean, if, if not for the fact that we that you were covered in leeches. <laughs> yeah. It was actually and I very slipped smug at the moment. <laughs> I was also the one that slipped and fell, like, all the down this big because I think there was a tree that had fallen on the track and to get over it we had to kind of climb up and then yeah. over and then down and the down part I just went straight down yeah. and into the straight into the mud I, I think I'm, I'm probably a bit smug because the amount of times that I've become mosquito food and Alyssa's gone away with it I was like in your face happy <laughs> <laughs> married couple yeah, we're not competitive at all <laughs> Uh, but there was light at the end of the tunnel, and you stayed at Pump House Point. Oh, we should yeah. say before we get to Pump House Point, we should say that the visitor center is really nice. Um, so you get to the end of the track uh, with the, yeah. the final trailhead, um, and there's the visitor center there. And we kind of quickly got changed into our camp clothes, so we didn't look all muddy. Um, checked ourselves for leeches. I did at least, and then I had pancakes. Ooh. For brunch at the visitor center, that's and quite delightful. They have this um, really nice restaurant, restaurant there. You mm. had like hash browns, I remember. Yes, you were like, I'm gonna eat hash browns. <laughs> yes, it was still breakfast time. We got in about 10 a.m. Exactly, and I one of my weaknesses is hash browns. You know, it's probably my favorite. And breakfast I love pancakes. Food. <laughs> that's my favorite. So we we dined on our favorite breakfast foods, and then we called Pump House, and they came and picked us up. Mm. We'd arranged a sh- uh, shuttle. And this is one of the, the places you were most looking forward to staying, like a bit of luxury at the end of the trail. Yeah. Tell us all about Pump House Point because you yeah. talked it up quite a bit before so, you left. <laughs> we stayed in their cheapest room and it was the most expensive accommodation of the whole trip, but it was worth every cent. <laughs> yep. Um, it, so what it is is this old Art Deco pump house that was a bit of a white elephant project. It was built to pump water from Lake St. Clair to another hydroelectric project somewhere else. Um, it was turned on twice to check that it worked and then never actually used. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds like something WA would do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but, but the the upside of that is it's now been turned into this amazing boutique hotel. So the, the pump house on the lake you can actually stay on. We didn't stay there because it was very expensive. Mm. Um, and it's just amazing because the, the pump house still has working um, pumps and one of them they used to actually get all the water for... The hotel mm. and the what they we found out what they used to treat the water is basically a giant version of a steri pen and then the the hotel has another part which is on the on the shore side which is i think it's called the the shore house building and in that building would have been the office for where people would have worked mm. and they've done a really great job all the rooms are amazing like we were in the cheapest room so we didn't have a, a view but yet, still fantastic. Yeah. Um, the bed was nice, the shower. I remember even all the fittings and everything were really great. Oh, so deluxe. But the best bit was that every room has a larder. And I'll let Alyssa talk about it. <laughs> this was like this. As soon as we like read about this, we're like, we're staying there no matter what. They, every room has their own. Um, so rather than a bar fridge, their bar fridge is full of like cheeses and cold meats mm. and like delicious olives and anything you want to make mm. a cheese plate um and you can call the for room service and they bring you up fresh hot bread 
for free. Oh, yum. Yeah. And then the bar, they had every room has like this amazingly stocked bar of like local wines and whiskeys and no whiskey. Oh, sorry, room, not whiskey. Yeah. Sorry, the, mostly wine. So yeah. we um yeah we had like the longest shower ever, and then ate lots of cheese and yeah. it was. A so really I good will afternoon. say that you do have to pay for. Oh yes, yeah. you do. <laughs> it's but not, at that point, be too good to be it's true. not an all-you-can-eat buffet. But no. you know, <laughs> we had some really nice cheeses. We had some nice things to go with it. Um, we had, I think, we had some Gewürztraminer to go no. with the cheese. Yeah, you're <laughs> gonna slip into uh, foodie dog <laughs> yeah. in the next five minutes. Um, and they also had this really nice chef table. It was what yeah. It, it was it was like a, a family kind of feast where they had like. They would put out food, uh, multiple courses on the table, mm. and you all would share in the in the feast, um, and it was well worth the price. Um, and downstairs, they also they had the bar with whiskey and wine, and, and what you do with that is you basically go there, grab what you want, and it's all on a system. You actually just write down, "Yep, I had that, I had that," and then you yeah. have whatever you want. Um, and we had really nice wine. Um, the food was... I remember there was like... A, it was like a... And I don't normally eat beef, but they had a beef dish, which was with um, like a horseradish kind of, mm. of sauce. And, and I think they had like a salad that was... It was really basic, but it was just perfectly dressed. I think also we were craving salad. Yeah. By that point, having just had dehydrated meals. Mm. So like just really nice hearty meat and salad we were like yes that's yeah. exactly what we wanted and i remember that was the first time we had um tasmanian whiskey yes yeah it's pretty awesome no it was a it was a beautiful hotel and they they do tours as well so when we first arrived in our dirty camp clothes mm. i was very self-conscious and they hand you like champagne and kind of like sit there. Like I was so scared to sit on the like yeah. the, the nice sofa couch. Having when seen I, Don's camp clothes, I can imagine he would have fit in quite well as yeah. like a <laughs> 70s kind of connoisseur. Yeah, and then they took us for a like we got on a little um, buggy and they took us for a drive around the property and showed us how they'd kind of maintain certain parts of it and mm. it's so it was fascinating not just in terms of being a really nice day but just kind of historically and mm. kind of culturally because the thing is like art deco buildings they're there now but they're not exactly going to be built in that style unless you're a real enthusiast so mm. to have something preserved like that's quite an amazing thing yeah. and then to be able to stay there in this amazing hotel with all these cool experiences mm. great way to end the hike and i think as well you know i I'm very reluctant to pay two and a half grand for like the deluxe guided tour, mm. but I'm happy to give back. You know, like I think it is important when you go to places like if you can afford it to spend a bit of money on other things as well, just to, you know, the economy yeah. needs to keep churning. And these are things that Tasmania is a poor state. They don't have the mining that we have. Which is probably for their benefit. Yeah, for the environment's benefit. <laughs> for the environment's benefit. Um, so that you know, it's nice to give back to to their economy by saying, "Okay, we'll stay in a nice hotel at the end of it. Mm. Um, we'll have a nice meal. We'll have we'll try some of your local produce because that all goes back to the farmers and you know, yeah. the people who have those businesses." Because you're not going to finish a hike and say, you know. I want a Tasmanian wine or Tasmanian beef and whatever, and then it all be available to you immediately. So these are kind of like hubs where local produce can come and be sold to international or interstate visitors. Mm. And you can appreciate, like, it's a local experience. Like, this is what they drink, this is what they eat. I think that's nice. And again, like, same when I go to the Southwest, like, you always try and stop in at a town and 
spend a bit of money, go to a cafe doing this because you're putting back into the economy. Exactly. And as hikers, like we try and be as frugal as we can, at least on the bib. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to spend that bit of money when you can. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, how low the the cost is of, you know, you're looking at $25 a night for the for what we paid for yeah. eight, well, actually less, a bit more because it was seven nights, not eight days. Yeah. Um, but you're getting good value, you know, and I think to be able to give back is, is nice um, because it's it's not that expensive. I mean, you don't have to go and stay at Pump House Point. Mm. I recommend it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there are heaps of other things you can do to give back. I should point out we're not actually being sponsored by <laughs> Pump House Point. But, but we will do, not. We won't yeah. knock that back if they want to. For our next trips, we won't say no to a free night. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, finished the trip, had a wonderful time. What are some kind of like highlights of the trip for you guys and like lasting memories. Mm. Sorry to put you on the spot here. No, it's okay. Um, I think the rainforest for me, I love rainforest. So kind of walking through that, that first day of the rainforest and then up into the glacial lake was pretty spectacular and memorable. The wombats, Mm -hmm. Um, some of the friendships and the people that you meet, that you don't you don't know or expect to make yeah. the people that you travel with in the end kind of really make a nice difference. Mm. Um, and Pump House Point, that yeah. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that those for me would be the highlights. Yeah, I mean for me obviously the mountains. I love yeah. mountains. Um, but also I think for me in a in a philosophical sense, um, what I really liked about this trip was, and it still probably remains the best trip I've ever done, is that. It solidified for me what I actually look for in, in a hike. Because I think when I was younger, there was a little bit of the, oh, the longer the better, you know, like, um, and the long way is better. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, I was I was like, oh, let's do 50Ks a day. Let's do, you know, let, let's finish the Cape to Cape in four in four days. No, yeah. no, no, make it three, you know, that, that kind of craziness. And it was all about distance. And I've realized as time has gone on that that my interest is more in, in stunning landscape that I want to be immersed in, in something that's spectacular. Mm. And this is a walk that is, I guess that par excellence. And you know, there's, there's so much different things to see. You've got mountains one day, you've got waterfalls another day, you've got plains, you've got rainforest. And because of that, I think it, it really solidified to me what I, I look for in a walk now. And that is, to have that kind of variety. And, you know, some some walks are not going to have that, but, like, I, I would say um, the Cape to Cape is another example of a great walk that has this had the similar kind of, like, you turn a corner and it's something different. Mm. Um, and that's what I realised that I look for in a walk. And, yeah, it was it was great to have that experience of walking this and, and then understanding that about myself. Because mm. so. you, you have changed your ways. You recently posted a walk under five kilometers on the long way. <laughs> oh, yes, I have. Um, I mean, that, that had extenuating circumstances because there yeah. was nostalgia tied to it. Yeah. I think when you're doing things like the Bibbleman where days are long, you can kind of think, oh, a 6K walk, how can that be great? But, you know, doing going to Karajini and doing a walk that's 3Ks and going that is as good as a 10K walk. Mm. You know, it changes your, your viewpoint. 
And I suppose the luxury of the Overland track is, as we said before, with the helipads, there's no roads. It is wilderness. And mm. it's a spot that's been preserved for everyone to enjoy. So you can hike the whole eight days, whatever you do, and not see a car. Correct. And you can feel that way and you can slow down and enjoy nature without having to say, this next five kilometers is road bashing. Yeah. And I just want to get it over with. There's none of that on the overland. Yes, which probably impacted on how I enjoyed Northcliffe to Walpole, which is our next big walk after this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, highly recommended. One of the best multi-day walks in Australia. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, like I think, would you agree? Well, I um, haven't done many, but... Of, y- of what we've done. Of what I've done, yes. Yeah. Of what I can imagine, yes. Yeah. I would... I would do it again, but maybe in winter for something different or maybe from Lake St. Clair to Cradle for something different as well. Mm. Do mm. some, finally do Mount Ossa yeah. or maybe Mount Oakley or Pelion. Or, or Barn Bluff, you mean? Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> They're all the same. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell that to Don. Each mountain is special and he loves them Correct. all. Correct. <laughs> Uh, okay, and on that note, we'll finish up. Um, Don has done a guide to the Overland, a written guide. So we'll post that on the Facebook page probably in a few days after this is released. So if you're listening to it after that, go to The Long Way is Better and there's a full write-up of every day plus the, the overview. So if you ever yeah, want an accompaniment, see the pictures, either look at, follow our Instagram or look at Don's website and you'll get all the information you'll ever want. Yeah, and if you have any questions, you know, I'm happy to, you know, send an email to the Real Trail Talk uh, email address, which is realtrailtalk at gmail dot com, and you know, we'll be happy to help out. Yeah. So thanks again for Alyssa. No problem. Double podcast back by popular demand again. Yep. <laughs> and we should say that we were going to do a uh, bushfires pod. You may realize that this is not the bushfires no, pod, <laughs> the <exact> but, <laughs> but um, you know, I think it's important that we get that right. So we're just waiting to get the right people in and make sure that our um, post is as informed as it can be. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully next pod may be the one after, but yeah, stay tuned. Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for listening. Yeah.